the damn thing. Yes, we are. <laughs> and we're finally doing Double Infinity's topic that she had requested. I'm sure she's thinking it took you guys long enough. So, <laughs> anyway, summertime's here, huh? Feels yeah, that way, it anyway. is. God, it's stupid, actually. It's way, way too hot. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, I'm already ready for fall. Um, and it's only June 1st. Yep, June 1st. I'm, I'm ready for fall. So I totally agree. Absolutely agree. By the way, Kylie, I know it uh, took me forever. I think you left the message two or three weeks ago, but thank you so very much for your suggestion on my needing a toupee. Just wanted to say thanks for that. But anyway, speaking of uh, the uh, toupee hair, I was just thinking, you know, Steve, you certainly remember me most of my life when I didn't have a beard, and uh, I now do. I don't know if I ever told you why. I used to hate facial hair. Why's that? Well, I'm not for sure. I just really didn't like it. But then it grew on me. <laughs> so now have a beard. Still wow. Thanks, Kylie. But uh Wow. That was one. bad. You didn't like that one? That was bad. I mean I of course I liked it, but it was bad. Oh come on. <laughs> appreciate. Don't hate. Appreciate. Listen, that's that crazy. I do appreciate. You know what else I appreciate? What's that? I, I appreciate the fact that being June, you know, we had a shower come through earlier and I saw a rainbow and it got me to thinking. Um, I wonder how much a rainbow weighs. Do you know? I have no idea. I'm sure you're about to tell me, though. Well, you'd be surprised. It's actually just pretty light. And you said mine is bad? <laughs> You you actually had the nerve to call mine bad and to Listen. follow it up with that joke. <laughs> Listen, okay, I'm sorry, but um, Brett called one of our buddies, our good buddies, Brett. Um, he's uh, he comes to some of our studies and he's always hanging around. He he doesn't get to hang out as much because he has two littles now. Um, but Brett called me the other day and told me that there was a big sale in Legos. Oh, really? Yeah. People were lining up to get blocks. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sure the two of you guys were at the front of that line, too, for your <laughs> Oh, not me. I, I raise kids. I know how bad Legos are. I'm not interested. Thank you. <laughs> like a mother. <sighs> that they do. So what's happened this week? What's new in your world, Jerry? Not a lot. Just the heat. Sorry yeah. here, but it's gotten worse. Yeah, I mean, come on, today's the first day of June. Seriously? And it's already in the 90s? What's July and August going to be like? I uh, don't even want to think about it. Don't even want to think about it. Although, I will say, this has been a great week. Uh, for To anyone who doesn't know, I absolutely love riding motorcycles. I own two. And uh, it's been a great week for bike riding when I haven't been working. So, uh, which is like... 36 seconds. <laughs> I, got, I got out on the bike for like 36 seconds, and that was just to pick it up from the repair shop. So, <laughs> hey, at least you got it back and it's fixed, and you'll be able to yeah. ride whenever you want now. Yeah, I'm thinking a, a trip somewhere is going to happen in the very near future. I don't know where, but I like to get out and I like to, 
I really like to do interstate riding. It's it's fun and cool and uh, I don't know why. I just do. Hey, and you, it's not like you mentioned the interstate riding and it's cool. You're right. Motorcycle riding w- would be very relaxing as long as you're moving. You know, if you're driving around in Lexington, you're going to spend so much time stopped in traffic that, yeah, it's, I don't know how cool that's going to be, but interstate, absolutely. That would be the place to do it. Well, I, uh, I am a big believer in try motorcycle riding is inherently more dangerous than driving a car for a plethora of reasons. Um, and we all know this. It's not, it's not, I'm just, if you don't believe that I can show you stats after stats, after stats, after stats that say that, that, that that is 100% the case, uh, mainly because drivers or people who, who drive cars called cages, they just don't see us. You know, and you have to drive, you have to ride like you're never seen. You have to be in somebody's face so that they see you. Um, you don't ride in blind spots. You get around trucks. You you, you utilize your entire lane. Um, and this is just a disclaimer out there. So look twice, save a life. <laughs> yep. But you always make fun of me, Jerry. Not make fun, but you always wonder how I ride with all my gear, helmet, jacket, gloves. Um, and the reason to that is no matter how hot I get, um, I like my skin and I'd like to keep it. <laughs> That's really the answer. <laughs> I, I totally, absolutely get it. One thing that I've mentioned to you before that I want to ask again. Sure. When I left Kentucky to move to the Washington, D.C. suburbs in, let's see, the mid-90s. It was a law in the state of Kentucky that all motorcycle riders had to have a helmet. You were required by law to wear a helmet. Yeah, they changed that. When I came back, that was no longer a law. Now, can someone please explain to me in today's society when it's required that we wear seatbelts, when you're inside a steel automobile that weighs, I don't know, what would you guess the smallest car weigh? Oh, 15, yeah. No, it's 2,500, 3,000 pounds. Yeah. 2,000 pounds of steel around you to protect you. And you're still required to to have a seatbelt on. But if you choose to get on a motorcycle with nothing around you, with nothing to protect you, you don't even have to wear a helmet. Well, there's How? some stipulations to that. But why? Why did we change it from it being required to not? How, did, how in the world does that make sense? Um, I could give you the long answer, but the short answer is personal freedom and, um, the insurance lobby doesn't care because they have the ability in in an automobile, the insurance that you carry is required to cover the, the passengers, including yourself. Not only that in Kentucky, it's also required to, uh, include the passengers in other cars on a motorcycle. You literally have the ability to get insurance on just your bike. So they don't have the liabilities of covering your injuries in in the event of an accident. So that's why they don't lobby as hard for helmets. That's the, that's the shortest answer I can possibly give you. I've got a shorter one that, that I believe actually is probably 
closer to the truth. I think you're absolutely right with where you started to go with your first answer, personal freedoms. And I think there's probably a bunch of crazy First Amendment right people that were screaming, it's my right to kill myself if I want. And I think a bunch of the people in Frankfurt said, you know what, we could probably pretty quickly raise, significantly raise the average IQ of all Kentuckians if we allowed oh, this group to go ahead and kill themselves, because that's what they're going to do, obviously, no, if we no, let them do what they no. want. So, yeah, I, I need to go back and do a little bit of research about average IQ of Kentucky for the five years before and the five years after we changed that law. That, that, no, that's my theory. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Well, your story's wrong. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, just because I choose to ride with a helmet, um, I can understand the virtues of or the, the thoughts and the feelings of riding without, um, it, it's, it's different. It's I can understand the thought. But you know, some people don't, but Jerry, here's the thing. And here's where your, your, your misconception is some people want to experience all that there is in life. And some people like me would prefer to experience that same thing through a helmet. (laughs) I mean, I I, I don't know how else to say that. I have lots of friends whom I ride with and I care about greatly that choose not to wear helmets. And it's not my place to judge what they, what they choose to do. That's what they choose to do. Well, and not just anybody to clarify, not just anybody can wear to ride, can, can ride their motorcycle without a helmet. You have to be 21. You have to have, you're supposed to have um, some sort of healthcare coverage that is non-leaked to your motorcycle. So that if something tr- catastrophic does happen, you have coverage. You're not just going to suck the funds out of the nearest hospital. Um, and, and you have to have been through a safety course. So it's not just any Yahoo who wants to go out and ride without a helmet can do that. that that's not exactly how that works. No, I understand. And and I totally agree with what you're saying. And to add to that, I can also understand why people would want to ride in an automobile and not wear a seatbelt. I'll admit that there have been times when I've done the same thing. I also know and acknowledge that seatbelts save lives. That's the only point I'm making. Wearing a helmet will save lives. Um, Yeah. I mean... You know, the statistics will absolutely back up what you say, 100%. Yep. In fact, the type of helmet even further increases your ability to, to you know, what I wear is a full face helmet. Um, it's not a modular. A modular, basically, the whole front comes off and you can, it's easier to put the helmet in or on or off. Um, and they're typically a little better quality helmet sometimes. Um but those tend to break in the in the back of an in, in a bad motorcycle accident. And quite frankly, uh, studies have shown that your jaw area is the area that you most need to protect in a motorcycle. That's the for whatever reason. And God forbid I'm ever in one. I, I, I've dropped my bike a hundred times. <laughs> it happens. If if you haven't, you will. That's just kind of the way it goes. But yeah. you know, if if in motorcycle accidents, your jaw and the bottom half of your face is, is usually what's injured the most. So according to you, and you can look up helmet studies to show that, but, um, you know, it's just, just personal choice, man. You know, whatever, that's what you want to do. That's what you do. Go get it. 
whatever. I get it. I just don't want to encourage people to end their life early. So anyway, uh, we want to get to our topic. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, and you know, we, we never mind. Yeah, we, we need to get into this topic today. Um, Amber, one thing that happened today, which leads right into our topic, is the Amber Heard Johnny Depp case today was was finalized. Mr. Came Depp won. It came to an end. Mr. Depp won fifteen hundred or fifteen hundred million. Fifteen million dollars, and she won two million in a countersuit. So net thirteen million dollars um, because of a really Johnny. toxic relationship. So um, yes, it was. But it kind of open. It kind of opens up what's going on in this, and I, I just want to start by kind of quantifying. You know, you Jerry and myself, we're not police officers. We're not law enforcement or have anything to do with law, and we are not psychiatrists. We don't have anything to do with mental health. Um, we're just a couple of guys that feel like we have some decent character, and we have a experience uh, with some of these things, and. and you know, it's hard. It, it, it's going to be tough to hear. It's going to be tough to talk about. And uh, but I feel like we need to do that and, and get this topic out there a little more, because I think we're going to start at the beginning this time. I think, Jerry, both of us 100 percent agree that this topic needs more coverage, not less. Um, Absolutely agree. Absolutely um, agree. I would like to add one thing to our disclaimer. Sure. Uh, I don't even know that we've given our topic out yet. We did at the end of last one, but we're going to be talking today about domestic violence against men. Now, we do not want this small conversation that's going to take a few minutes to in any way detract from the the narrative of the story. The vast majority of domestic violence is perpetrated by men against women. We're not disputing that. We're not trying to change the narrative. All we are doing is trying to say, you know what, there are two sides to this issue. And as Steve just mentioned, we don't believe that the other issue gets very, the other side of the issue gets very much coverage at all. And that is obviously domestic violence against men by women. I think that according to some stats, Jerry, you're going to be quite surprised at how, you know, you say vastly, I think you're going to be surprised at some of the stats that I have. Well, it's not necessarily vastly (laughs) part of it. I did look up one statistic. It's the definition of domestic violence is very arbitrary. What if I push someone? Is that violence? What if I slap someone? Is that violence? The, The extreme is homicide, right? Murder. That, that, that's as extreme as you can get. Now, in a recent survey, it showed that 77% of homicide of domestic violence, homicide victims, were women. And 96% oh, wow. of those, those suspects were male. Now, of the remaining, so I said 77% are, are women. Of the remaining 23% that are men, only 47% of those, only half of those, 23%, was actually committed by women. 53% of the homicides of men were committed by other men in same-sex relationships. So oh, wow. when it comes to homicide, we are talking about the vast majority. Now, again, that's not of the whole domestic violence issue. This is only the ones who end up being murdered. But at least in that segment, it is vastly the men who are killing women. Yeah, that's unfortunate, Sorry, too. No, you're good. 
You're good. And it's, it's terrible. I mean, we're going to kind of, I hope, touch base on this. I mean, there's so much in this topic to talk about. We're going to try to knock it out in like 40 minutes. <laughs> we could talk for 40 days about the different kinds, the and numbers. not even begin to cover it. And, and not even begin to cover it. That's 100% right. We're just going to try to scratch the surface a little bit and, and ultimately bring awareness, I hope. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're listening to our podcast and some of this stuff applies to you, then you need to, you need to evaluate some stuff because you're in a situation that maybe it's not dangerous. You're not physically threatened, but are you in the best place? If you have children, are you teaching your children the best ways to be in a relationship? Um, because in domestic violence, men on women, women on men. It so many times it, it this is the one instance that it compares to racism. Folks, if you are in a domestic violence situation, either way, and you have children, you're teaching your children that this is what quote unquote love looks like. This you're teaching your children that hey, when you become an adult, when you become a teenage and a teenager, these are the type of people you want to go find because this is normal and you don't have that right as a parent i don't think <laughs> absolutely shouldn't and, and we're going to get into that it's the same way you know racism isn't you're not born racist <laughs> kids studies time and time and time again show you're not born racist you're taught to be a racist it's the same thing you're not born and maybe maybe some studies will show that some people are more um poised for violence, poised for, for control. But what pushes you over the edge is, well, mommy did that. or That's how daddy lived, you know, and that makes it okay and normalizes it in your child's mind. And you don't have the right as a parent to be that person. Sorry. And yet at the same time, do you not think that the vast majority of people that I have known who have been in a somewhat abusive relationship, that's when asked why they stay, that's usually the reason. Oh, I'm just staying for the kids. And okay. Right. So I'm sitting there looking at it, thinking you're staying for the kids. What in the holy hell are you teaching the kids? Right. And, you know, here's, here's the thing from, and I can speak. As someone who's been there on this particular issue, okay, as someone, as a guy who has been in that situation, who in Kentucky, and I can't speak to Alabama, I can't speak to how it is in California or or Minneapolis, in Kentucky, to be a father, to try to earn custody in front of a judge is almost impossible almost impossible even if you have the best lawyer you can go hire the best lawyer and the lawyer if he's a good one he's going to tell you you're going to spend a lot of money and you're going to come out with 50 percent at best as far as visitation it has to be a absurd case for you to get custody as a father in the state of kentucky and, and i hate that now, I do think that that's changing. I do think that the, the curve is starting to straighten a bit. Very slowly. Very, but it's very 2022. And just 10 years ago, Jerry, as an example, um, all of the pay, here here in the county we live in, 
all of the paperwork to try to get child support as a single father was written in a way that was skewed toward the woman. (laughs) The official paperwork. So that should tell you a little bit. And so in some cases, I I get it. But what I'm saying is, and, and and hopefully at some point we can we can a, a, during this conversation today that we can figure out some things to help people in the situation maybe start to fan out a little bit but and if not we'll we will try to touch on it later but I don't want to hog the conversation Jerry so before I'll we go up. any further do, do sure. you have a problem with me talking about an incident that I observed earlier you mentioned about that you had firsthand knowledge of this. I observed a incident with you 25 years ago. You mind if I go into that a little bit? No, absolutely not. I mean, here's the thing. Everything that I've been through and everything that that I went through in the past makes me who I am today. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent. And if somebody, if somebody can learn from that, if we can help somebody through something that I've already been through, if we can prevent that, absolutely. We're wide open here. That's what this is all about. I think I mentioned on episode one that uh, I hired you when you were 16 years old. That's how I got to know you in the first place. It was only, I don't know, two, three, four years after that. Uh, and it was at a store that we were both working at at the time. Uh, we were both in management. And one of your exes walked in the store one day with a child of yours and demanded that you watch the child. It wasn't your scheduled time to have your child. It wasn't something that had been discussed previously. They had a party to go to, whatever it was, I don't recall. They had something to do, and they wanted you to watch the child. You were at work. They knew that. They came to your work and came in and said, you need to watch your child. And you said, I I can. I'm at work. Uh, They argued for a few minutes, and they proceeded to whatever word you want to use, throw, toss, they were throw. That's an accurate word. Six, seven (laughs) feet away. And they decided to throw your child at you and turn around and walked out. They gave you no choice. You, You hadn't agreed to watch the child. You hadn't agreed to relieve them of their parental responsibility. At which point they threw your child to you and turn around and left. Now, again, a minute ago, you were talking about that, in many cases, when a parent, a father, is trying to get custody of their child, of how the system is skewed towards giving custody to the woman. Even in this case, when we had proof, we, you, you had proof. This was video recording, by the way. There was video evidence of her doing this. Yeah. And you still weren't given custody of your child for several years, even with that evidence. Basically, you weren't given custody as long as she was fighting it. That's how Correct. skewed That's how skewed the system is towards women to give custody to women. Not only that, and just, you know, <laughs> I'm going to say this because some people get just desserts. The judge who ruled on that, Jerry, two years later, by the way, uh, no, I take that back. Uh, 18 months later, I kept him for 18 months after that event. And, and finally there was a phone call made. There was some threats made, um, you know, on my life, on, on my family members' lives. 
and, and it was rough. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, so I went to get a DVO, um, you know, domestic violence order to protect us, you know, at least to have some something written down. And ultimately, when it went to court, because after a couple of weeks that you have to present in court why that is should be sustained or turned into, it was an EVO and it needed to be turned into a DVO. I, long story short, I apologize. Uh, went to present that evidence to the judge. The judge told me he didn't care about my evidence that kids needed to be with their mom. And that was the end of that. <laughs> After yep. 18 months, he was taken away and put back with his mom. Um, and that's real. That, that happened. The judge looked at me and said that I don't care. The kids need to be with their mom. Uh, that same judge was later now is now serving the rest of his life in prison because of uh, social security fraud. <laughs> so you're right. You're right. Just resorts. Mm. You're absolutely so, correct. You know, that that's just one small instance. And, and fortunately, thank God, no one was hurt that particular time. Um, and that's only one way and again, guys, we are talking strictly in this episode. We are we are just talking about women on men violence. It's not saying that men aren't douchebags too, it, it even more so, and commit these. But the men on women violence doesn't carry the stigma. I think, in in some ways, maybe it does. But from a masculine standpoint, when you were a man, oh, man, this is a hard conversation to have. Um, when you're a man, you're expected, maybe not so much today, but in, in past times, you have been expected to be a man's man. And to admit that, hey, you know, I, I've, I've had some things happen to me, and that's not cool, up until very recently, wasn't cool. Absolutely correct. You're beginning to get into a question that Double Infinity asked earlier, which was, why is it that men do not speak out? Yeah. And I think that there's a large variety of reasons. And I think number one is probably what you just said. Many men, most men would probably think that it is a threat to their masculinity to assume that they, first of all, even could be harmed and threatened by a female. Uh, that they're not man enough to be able to to even keep the woman from hurting them. But that's certainly far and away from the only reason. Another big reason, I think, is because of the, the way the story has been woven up to this point. All we normally hear about, or the vast majority that we hear about, it, uh, of domestic violence is that it is men abusing women. And I think most men are afraid that the story is going to get turned around and the question asked, what did he do to deserve this? What did he do to cause this? Another reason is that in many cases, sadly, many abusive men claim to be the victims. One of the best examples, O.J. Simpson often referred to himself as a battered husband. Uh, yeah, that, O.J. Simpson, battered husband. Okay. Uh, but I think many men are afraid that that mentality is going to be used against them, that people are going to look at them and say, yeah, okay, you're probably just beating her and you're trying to change the narrative by saying she did this. Uh, you want to hear a uh, really sad, and I don't mean to cut you or interrupt, but go ahead. just along the same lines, this is a really sad number to me. Overall, 
22% of all individuals feel that they are assaulted by a partner at least once in their lifetime. 23% for females. 19.3% for males. That's a lot of people. I agree. I saw some different surveys, but the numbers were very, very close. And those numbers, I, I think it's very important that they be mentioned because, yes, it is still uh, the vast majority, and especially when it gets into serious injuries and death, is being perpetrated by men. It doesn't change the fact that when you look at the overall number of people being abused domestic with um, domestic violence, there's not that large uh, difference between the number of men and the number of women. It's still more so women. But when you think about the publicity that we hear, it's probably what, four to one, five to one, six to one. Yeah. Very small per- percentage of what we hear about is the violence against men. Yet when you look at it, the numbers, that's not the case at all. And and. That 22%, Jerry, that was physical abuse. Let's talk about emotional abuse and some of those numbers. Across most studies, 80% of individuals feel that they have perpetrated, have been perpetrated upon some sort of emotional abuse. 40% of women, 32% of men ex- reported expressive verbal abuse. 41% of women 43% of men have reported some sort of coercive abuse. Um, do this for me or I'm not doing that for you. Yep. You know, and, and we look at, you know, okay, here's an example. And I'll just throw it out there. Um, everybody knows the whole, oh, I can't tonight, honey, I got a headache. Okay, fine. That happens one or two times. That's, you know, that's normal. We, we're normal people. If you're using that as a weapon against your spouse, that's abuse. And I don't. <laughs> Especially when you're using it only after arguments, after discussions. In other words, if you don't agree with me, if you don't, if things don't go my way, then I will withhold intimacy. Absolutely. Huge and probably the most common form there is. And when we were talking about doing this, Jerry, you, you had mentioned to me, you would ask, well, isn't that the the reason? Wouldn't that be a a reason to go? Not that you condone it, but to cheat on your spouse. When when that's, that's happening initially, and at some point, I think that you're right. I think that at some point, because we are humans and we do have needs, that that would probably perpetrate that at some point. But when it first starts, if you are, and I use air quotes here. <laughs> If you're in love with this person, if this is your you, the person you married, the person you've chosen to spend your life with, it takes a while for that to even register that that's what's happening. Sure. And, and I feel like that that just, and from what I understand, and this is, this is, um, that is actually exacerbated in LGBTQ relationships more so than heterosexual relationships, Very true. Um, which is really an, a whole different, <laughs> um, a whole different ballpark that I can't speak from experience about, unfortunately, you know, so. I agree. I, I read a survey um, the other day and it estimated that only about 35 to 40 percent of all victims of domestic violence ever reported around a third, around 
a third of all victims of domestic violence, they estimate, is all that reports it. And we know that the number of men reporting it is far less. Again, as we said, there are many reasons why men will not report it. I, I mentioned this to you the other day. I saw a report in the last month or so about some of the sexual atrocities that are being committed by Russian soldiers in Ukraine. Rapes of children as young as 10, 11, 12 years old, as women as old as 70. But it's not just women. It, it's also men that they know that are, are being raped. And the percentage of men that are reporting it is extremely small. And even in many cases, when family members come to the authorities and report, well, my husband, my brother, my uncle had this happen to him. When they go talk to him, they deny it. Again, it's just what we were talking about earlier. This is not something that most men think they can publicly even acknowledge happened without fear of losing their uh, their manhood even further than it has already been. So scary stuff. It really is. Yes. So let's talk just a little bit. Um, I found a, a website um, that kind of gives a good definition of what kinds of abuse are actually out there. Um, and I just want to bring it out. Uh, and they're all, ab most abuse, emotional, physical, coercive, expressive, um, sexual, all has to do with two things, power, control, power over your, your, your spouse or your significant other and control over your spouse or your significant other, uh, sex abuse, financial abuse, sexism, emotional abuse. Um, in this area, not so much, but in the Southwest, I'm sure that immigration status is, is a powerful tool that, that people have. Uh, spiritual abuse, we hear it every day about these, uh, about people who exert the name of God over people. Well, you can't leave me because God said so, so now I'm going to smack you. I, it just... I, I can't even begin to get into that because it makes me so angry. Uh, physical abuse, homophobia, use of children against your spouse. Um, and the common cell phone, as we heard in the Amber Heard Johnny Depp call. Go ahead, Johnny. Call the police. See how ridiculous you sound when they when you try to tell them I was beating you. I mean, yep. I think that's what cost her $15 million was that one phone call. <laughs> I mean, honestly, certainly went uh, a long way. Just, I, and you know what? Had he not went to the police, had he not pursued this trial, she would have been right. <laughs> Absolutely true. So what advice would you give to someone? Uh, and again, our show is about domestic violence, but in particular violence against men. So for someone out there that's listening uh, that thinks, you know, I wonder if I'm in a situation like that. What advice would you give to them? Well, first of all, you need to figure out if you're in that situation. You know, if you're, if you're, you're just having a bad day and you and your spouse don't get along in a lot of things, that's not necessarily abuse. That could just be you have the wrong person. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And there every, is a difference. Every couple argues, every couple has disagreements. And just because right. you have one doesn't mean you're in a abusive relationship. 
right absolutely so But, but if everything you do is wrong if you're never right, if you, well, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Did well, minister your thunder? No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, I just wanted to cover a few different things of abuse. Sure. Things because, and these are just a list. Um, but if you're feeling one or more of these on a regular basis, then you need to reevaluate your situation. So okay. we know the physical hitting, slapping, punching, kicking, burning, uh, throwing your stuff against the wall and breaking it. Believe it or not, that's, that's uh, you know, older people um, controlling medication or refusing medication, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, you know, emotional abuse can be name calling. You know, well, just because you think it's a pet name, if I don't like it, you need to stop. <laughs> yep. If they blame you for everything, um, extreme jealousy. Uh, that's, unless you caused it, there's no reason for that. And if they are that way, by the way, you need to go because that's not the right situation for you anyway. Uh, shame, humiliating, um, controlling your partner, where, where they go, where, or who they do it with, you know, not, that was probably not, (laughs) if, you know, if Jerry, you and I wanted to go out and go bowling, one of our spouses said, you can't do that. Then that's probably an issue. Stalking, following us to the bowling alley, (laughs) sexual abuse. And this isn't just um, the big one, rape or incest or any of that. This is just, you know, hurting someone intentionally during sex. Sabotaging birth control can be a form of abuse. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, but it really is, especially young guys. In, In fact, one of the studies I read that, Young adults who are dating often occur more types of abuse on a regular basis than people who have been married for several years, Um, which I thought that was eye-opening a little bit. Very much so. Um, Using tracking devices in your partner's cell phones to monitor locations, hacking their email. If you've gotten to this point, it's time to go. (laughs) If you can't trust your spouse that you're in their phone and you're on their email, it's time to go. <laughs> yep. And it doesn't stop with that. We can do financial abuse, controlling all the finances, giving your partner an allowance. That's a, a lesser one, but it leads to control. It's all about control. You're right. It's totally a control issue. Um, so, yep. Back to your original thing, Jerry, and what you were asking about advice. I just wanted, if you if you're experiencing one or multiple of those things, you certainly, the first step is to realize that you're in a situation that you shouldn't be. And a lot of people, young people, old people, people, as an example, I I have a friend and I won't mention names, obviously, um, that was in a a relationship for a long time. Um, Husband passed away. She got into a new relationship and hadn't been in a relationship for you know, she'd been in a relationship with one person her entire life. So, and never was exposed to any of this. And then was exposed to all of it. She ended up being with a narcissist and wow, <laughs> didn't even have a clue she was being abused because it was never physical. It was always emotional, financial, and technological. She couldn't breathe without him being there doing that. And finally, she woke up one day and said, this is stupid. I'm out and was able to, to leave that situation. 
but you have to realize you're in the situation. I think that's the first step. <laughs> I think the next step would probably be to come to the realization that it's not your fault. You're not to blame. And that's probably a hard one because in most, especially emotional, uh, emotionally abusive relationships, they're constantly going to tell you it's your fault. You're causing oh, this. You're making, in many cases, even the physical. You hear in so many cases of the guy who beats the woman and then, you know, spends the next two hours apologizing, but telling her, you know, what she did that made him do that. The, the the behaviors that she had taken that caused him to get to that point, constantly making the other person think that they are at fault, that they caused this. So, yeah, absolutely. You, you can't blame yourself. You have to realize that you're the victim. And, uh, yeah, I think you started to say something, Steve. Well, just as, as a victim, that's the last thing. That's the last part of healing, Jerry. That's not something that happens immediately, unfortunately. It just doesn't. You can, you can say it does, but it's, that's, that's, the, that's when you know you're better. That's when, when you, you no wake up, yourself. When you, you wake up and you're like, okay, I got this. That wasn't me. That's last. That's not, that's not first, unfortunately. You know, and this is the thing. If, if, if you are a victim of abuse in any way, shape, form, or fashion, physical obviously is, is a struggle that I can't even begin to comprehend. Um, but if you are a victim of abuse, you, you have so many emotions that have to process and a lot of times, especially if you're a dude, you don't know where to process those emotions. You know, if you show up at a, a, a meeting for domestic violence, you could be a trigger to some of the people that were there. You know, if, if there's ladies there that have been through it, you yourself could be a trigger just by being a man. Sure. And, and so you can't do that. And it comes back to the masculinity thing. If you're a dude, um, I'm not going to bring it. You know, I have like two best friends in the whole world. I don't want them to think I'm less of a man. But you have to process those. And it takes forever. I mean, it really does. And here's what happens, Jerry. Here's what happens. You get out of that relationship. And the first thing that most people do is want to get back in another relationship. <laughs> And that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Because now, a lot of times, you go the other way 100% because you're defending yourself. You're not going to take shit from anybody. Pardon my French. But that's how you feel about the relationship. I'm not giving an inch because I gave so much in this one. So your new partner, who has no clue, no idea what you've been through because you haven't been together long enough for her to know or them to know, They don't have a shot. I agree. I also agree on a bigger standpoint, stepping back, taking a look at the bigger picture, whether it's domestic violence or whatever. Anytime you get out of any relationship and go into another one, as, unless it's, you know, the death of a spouse or something like that, you have to heal from the wounds caused by the the, the previous relationship ending. 
Otherwise, hey, you are putting so much baggage on the next relationship, it'll have no hope. Yes. I just wanted to say, hey, Filthy Breakfast, thanks for joining us tonight. I'm glad you're here. But you're right. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, Filthy Breakfast came on and wanted to say hey to him. Give him a shout out. Okay. Well, I, we absolutely do want to say hi to him. I think they're already gone. They're not showing oh. up in my listener section. I think they entered and left quickly. But anyway, we're, we're glad they did stop by and hope they stick around a little longer next time. So we've um, admitted that there is a problem. We, we've talked about how to begin to express those emotions. What other advice would you have for someone who is a victim of domestic violence? I think that um, a healthy bit of personal retrospect will help. And what I mean by that is, you know, even though you're not a victim or you're, you're not in that situation anymore and it wasn't your fault that you were there, it's always good for people to realize, did I make, what did I do? Did I do something incorrect there? Did I miss a red flag? Did I um, see something but was infatuated and overlooked it for the moment and forgot to come back to it? Um, and those are all real things that, that happen. Uh, you know, when we first fall in love, quote, air quote, or we meet that special somebody we tend to overlook their bad initially because we're so focused on their good. Um, and one of the things that people do today that I don't understand where it happened or maybe it's happened forever. And I just, you know, obviously I'm not old as Methuselah. I don't know, but it seems like when you start dating somebody today, you want to move in with them tomorrow. Yep. And I don't understand that because you don't know this person. If I have a child, I'm not letting you move in with me. <laughs> I don't know you and I don't know what you're going to do with my kid. Not until we, we know each other and, and, and we've explored each other a little bit. But I feel like that everybody who's in, who is a relationship, who is a abuser in any category, will can't fake that forever. They will give you a red flag here or there. And you have to be really aware. And is that fair to the rest of your people? No, probably not. You know, is that, is that, is that uh, a, um, is that a, a good way of looking at the world? No, probably not. But you know what, as, as a victim of abuse, you don't really have a choice. You always look at people that way now. I mean, mine happened 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I still look at people that way. Every day, <laughs> even in, you know, and that's, Steve. that's not fair to those people. Steve, that's more like 25, bud. Oh, well, see, Sorry also when, when, listen, listen, also when people, when, when, when people come up to me and they talk about 30 years ago, I still think they're talking <laughs> about the seventies. So <laughs> I know what you mean. You know, another thing that I want to point out, is, just, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you ask what they can do. Look, find somebody you trust, your dad, your mom, yep. uh, a, a cousin that you're close with, a best friend, somebody. same or opposite sex. Just talk to somebody. 
you know, if if you're imagining things, if you think if it's not as bad, if you trust somebody, they're going to be honest with you. They're not yep. going to blow smoke and say, and if they say, hey, this looks like a pretty bad situation, take their word. Yep. Start evaluating. Get yourself, especially if you got kids, get yourself out of there. Because you're 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 you you lose the ability to allow yourself to be abused when you just when you have kids because you can't let your kids grow up and think that that's normal. Got to put their needs and wants ahead of your own, and you're absolutely, absolutely right. It goes back to what we were saying earlier. So many people try to justify staying in a bad relationship because of the kids. You're not doing yeah. it. You're not doing the kids any favor. You're really not. Uh, I'm not saying it the first sign of you know an argument that, that you, you know, run for the hills. Absolutely. Like Steve said, have a friend, have someone, you can't keep bottling this up forever. Have someone you can talk to, uh, hopefully several someones and, and you can take all of their advice and put it together. But somewhere along the line, folks, you, you can't stay in these bad relationships. And if you do continue to do so, um, you're not helping anyone. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping your significant other. You're not helping your children. You're not helping anyone. So there comes a point. Everyone, by the way, feels that they can change this behavior, especially with young people. I think they look at the other one and they, they think, you know, that well, they've got this problem and this problem, but I can change them. No, you can't. I'll be flat honest with you. No, you can't. Here's the point, guys. I have found in my life, I have a hard enough time changing those things about my own life that I don't like. I smoked for almost 30 years before I was able to quit. You think someone else can change me? Guys, you're not going to change these things in another person. So, you know, if you're willing to live with it for the rest of your life, that that's one thing. But again, you're not helping yourself. You're not helping the significant other. You're not helping your children. And I would beg you to not continue to put up with abusive behavior. I'm I'm not saying to give up. Go to counseling. You know, if the other person is willing, uh, go to counseling. Try to get help. Try to... uh, Get them to to sit down and talk about the problems by all means. I'm not saying give up, but I'm saying let's not be stupid. They say that the definition of stupidity is when we continue to do the things that we've always done and to expect different results. Don't do that. At least try something. It may or may not work. Go to counseling. Sit down and talk to the person. You know, keep a record. I think it's also another important thing to do is to begin to document what's happening. when the time is right, sit down and discuss with that person some of the problems that have been going on and, and how you as a couple can change it and make it better going down the road. But, but you have to try to change something. You can't continue to go down the same path you've always been going and to expect things to change. They're not going to. I agree. And, and you know, one thing we didn't even mention, Jerry, was drug abuse <laughs> um, yep. because – that's a whole different, whole different ball of wax. But you know, that's probably for a different show even. Um, but I really hate kind of trying to wrap this show up on such a bad, sad note. <laughs> I don't, I don't like it. I do too, and that's why I was hoping we could begin to try to provide some things that someone who thinks that they are the victim of domestic violence 
can do, some actions yeah. that they can take that would help. Let there be some light at the end of this dark tunnel, because that's yeah. obviously what it is, a very dark tunnel. Um, it's more like a cyclone. It's like a big whirlpool, because you, you're kind of toting around the outsides of it, and the further and the longer you're in it, the further and the deeper you go. And, you know, that's really the way and it's really tough like you said to get out of there people today think that they could just change well if i do this and do that it'll all be better yeah it will until you do the next thing yep. and then the next thing um Absolutely. and it's just that's terrible that's just bad it's bad totally so how about um well, did you did you have anything else about that, Jerry? Because no, I've I've good. covered uh, all the points that I had that I wanted to make. Good. <laughs> Me too. Um, I feel like, you know, did we just barely scratch the surface? Yes. Absolutely. Um, there is so much going on here that you know humans are pretty pretty bad people <laughs> when we when we want to be the but when you're bad we're really bad but when we're good we can also be really good you know very true uh and and that's good stuff i i feel i'm glad that the johnny depp case is over i really feel like it's going to bring like double infinity said here i think it's going to bring a little light to that i think it's going to make it a little more hopefully difficult um, for people to abuse one another, I think, I hope that it's at least and, a conversation. And hopefully makes it a little bit easier for men to say, this is my experience. This is what happened to me. Yeah. And, you know, you can always uh, email us or, or, or leave us your number. I'll be happy to talk with you about it because I've been there, done that. It sucks. And it takes That'd a lot. It, it, it's not something you can just say poof and it's gone and you can get over it uh and, and it's just not how it works um so what a good news or good note good note um did you hear about the uh 70 children that was recently found in texas by police human trafficking not. we found 70 young men young men and women that were going to be sold as God forbid, slaves, sex slaves, whatever they're going to do with those kids. But they brought them, they got them out, and they saved them. So that's a good thing. That's a good. Where were they from? All over? Uh, primarily uh, uh, Mexico, Guatemala, Central America. So yeah. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Absolutely horrible. Hopefully, oh. our next uh, subject, which at this point. I know I certainly have absolutely no idea what mine's going to be, and I don't think Steve does either, but hopefully it won't be as dark of an issue. Um, this is certainly one that needed to be covered, and we talked about it for several weeks. We've also talked about, and at some point we certainly will in our feeble way attempt to take on the drug issue as well. Another one that I am absolutely not looking forward to, but absolutely think it does need to be talked about much more so than we can attempt to do. Um, Double Infinity just mentioned sex trafficking. That's certainly one that will, that would be an absolute great topic. Uh, but hopefully we got not a lot of those. We got a lot of good topics coming yes, up. We, that we, could, we could just start naming topics <laughs> that need to be discussed and have our, our show set for the next six months. Yeah, we, we could do it. We, also we, can... want, 
we want to talk about surveillance too and, and how many yep. people can check us out right all the here. time. But maybe you know, we'll have to do it like we do international that. I don't think we've mentioned to on our podcast. Oh, no, no, go ahead. That's a great way to end the show. Let's, we've let's been give doing people that great idea because that's fun, as, that's fun as junk. Two, two or three years ago, we come up with an idea to have international night once a month. And we went through and, and wrote down, I don't know what, 20, 30 different countries and, and put them on a slip of paper and put them in a bowl. And uh, we drew one out. And at the end of every event, we draw the next month out. And once a month, we get together. There's, I think, three or four couples that get together. And we attempt to, as authentically as possible, recreate a meal from that country. Uh, the one that we just did was Australia, and it was one of our better ones. We absolutely loved it. Uh, but again, the reason I was mentioning this with all the different ideas that we had, I was saying that, hey, we could do the same thing that we do with International Night and put all the names and throw them in a hat and draw one out. Man, we've yeah, got enough we to do start that like that. once a month or something. There you go. Well, here's the one thing, Jerry, that I don't think that I started doing this week that I don't think I've talked to you about. And I have been telling people all week about the uh, health benefits of dried grapes. No, you've not mentioned this to me. Yeah. It's all about raising awareness. Thank you. <laughs> all I have to say is please don't ever call another one of my dad jokes. Horrible, terrible. <laughs> I have an infinite number of passes after that one. <laughs> Hey, I just needed to Raising laugh tonight. We 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 we've been so so gloomy and bad tonight. I, I just had to I had to laugh a little Lighten bit. I apologize. A little bit. I absolutely agree. <laughs> well, we're almost on an hour. I think we've covered it, guys. Until next time, be safe, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. Thank you.